to the fifth episode in a podcast series brought to you by the International Arbitration Group at Denton's. With more than 40 partners and 120 lawyers, our group is widely recognized globally, trusted by corporations, states, and high net worth individuals for their most challenging international arbitration matters. In the last episode, we looked at how existing disputes are being impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic, including the patchwork of government-imposed health and safety measures, travel bans, and expert recommendations. Today, we want to look at how the new dynamic is impacting oil and gas disputes. I'm your host today. My name is Amy Kleisner, and I'm co-head of the Arbitration Group in Germany. Today, I'm very pleased to welcome my London partners, Liz Tout and James Langley. Liz focuses on oil and gas arbitration, and James focuses on investment arbitration in the oil and gas sector. Hi, very pleased to be here to be talking to you today. So just to set the stage, what are you seeing these days, Liz? Has the, how has the falling price of gas impacted the sector? So the most significant change in recent months has really been the marked decrease in the spot price of gas and LNG. Now, this began before COVID, but has definitely been exacerbated by the pandemic, which has served to reduce demand. It has far-reaching consequences for the industry because it impacts not just the available revenues, but also attitudes to expenditure under existing projects and the approach of host governments, looking, of course, to maximise their share of production and their share of revenues. And this tension has given rise to a number of disputes that we're going to look at in a bit more detail. So Liz, what kind of price disputes are you seeing? Is this the second wave? So what we're definitely seeing is a wave of requests to refix the price. Now there's still a large number of long-term, so 20, 25 year gas and LNG sale and purchase agreements that provide for periodic review of the price. Now, in order to get a review, you have to satisfy various tests and one of the parties has to ask for it. And what we're seeing at the moment is buyers triggering reviews, seeking, of course, price reductions. The key question in many of these cases is whether the market change relied upon by the triggering party is just a short-term one or something more sustained. Generally, you need something permanent, which actually affects the value of the LNG in the end user market of the buyer, or you have to show that the price being paid by other buyers is less. So perhaps the impact of COVID-19 will be insufficient by itself, but with the backdrop of falling prices, it may well be the straw that breaks the camel's back. Now, because these cases are all played out in confidential international arbitration proceedings, it's difficult to know how many are going on or what is being argued. But we've seen a real increase in the last six to nine months. We would expect um, price reviews to continue apace. Typically, you can review price formula every three to five years and you may have additional jokers to play. And it's those that we've seen being played over the last few months. And with the market being so volatile, it's going to be ever more difficult, not only to fix the price, but to work out an index that adequately tracks the value of gas going forward. And in addition, 
we've seen in some markets for the first time, in others for the second, the decoupling of oil and gas prices, which further complicates the process of fixing a new formula. So James, how are market participants managing costs and expenditure and recovery? Upstream oil and gas projects are usually managed through joint ventures between participants so that they can share the risks and the costs. And in simple terms, the participants each take a percentage interest in the project and pay costs pro rata. The upfront costs of exploring and developing the license area are borne by the participants who then recover these costs once oil and gas is being produced, assuming, of course, that the project is successful. And where we see disputes arising is in two main areas. First, as between the participants themselves when it comes to sharing costs. For example, if one party doesn't pay its share when required, this can jeopardise the whole project. So one thing we see is contractual provisions, often called forfeiture clauses, which allow the other participants to remove the defaulting party from the joint venture. Now that in itself may not be straightforward, but there's also the vexed question of what, if anything, the exiting party should be paid for its interest. There are various different approaches to this, but because there's a lot at stake and the defaulting party is being forced to exit what could be a profitable joint venture, it frequently gives rise to disputes. The second area where we see disputes arising is between the participants and the host government. The host government in whose territory the project is being carried out usually has a role in approving the recovery of the costs once oil or gas production has started. However, because the oil and gas is shared between the participants and the government, higher cost recovery for the participants may mean less oil or gas for the government. So there's a tension there and we see these disputes playing out usually in commercial arbitration proceedings where often the sums in disputes are very high. And I think that both these types of disputes are more likely to occur in the current environment. I think what is interesting is that we used to see those sort of disputes um, about cost arising typically between the big oil majors and a much smaller joint venture partner or a local entity. Um, or a recent market entrant. But what we're now seeing um, is the even the big companies squabbling over costs. And what remains to be seen is, is will those squabbles lead to arbitrations or will they in fact um, all get sorted out? So I've heard that some states have resorted to increasing taxes or royalties. Is this leading to disputes? There are various ways in which the host government can seek to extract value from the oil and gas produced, which is what we call the government's take. And it partly consists of the share of oil and gas that the government is entitled to, but governments also benefit from taxes and sometimes royalties on the proceeds too. And usually these are negotiated up front and actually often you see in concessional production sharing agreements that the government has agreed to tax exemptions, but the difficulty comes when the government then seeks to change this subsequently, for example, by increasing the agreed rates or applying taxes retrospectively to things that were agreed to be exempt. Now, in some cases, this might be a contractual dispute. However, where the government is introducing changes against the legitimate expectations of the participant, we have seen participants successfully bringing investment treaty claims against the host government under, for example, the fair and equitable treatment provisions in bilateral investment treaties, and sometimes actually in parallel with the contractual claims. Now, it, 
in these cases, the ability to bring an investment treaty claim may be essential to the investor. And this is because the jurisdiction clauses in the contracts with the host government may require the dispute to be resolved either in the local courts or in arbitration seated in the host state, which may be unfavorable to the investor. Whereas on the other hand, uh, most bilateral investment treaties will allow claims to be brought in international arbitration under the ICSID or the UNCTRAL rules, which uh, may well be a more attractive forum for the investor. Well, thank you so much, Liz and James. Um, I am indeed quite interested to see how this plays out uh, in, the, in the coming months and years. Um, and we hope that you will join us next time. Dentons is a global legal practice providing client services worldwide through its member firms and affiliates. This episode is not designed to provide legal or other advice, and you should not take or refrain from taking action based on its content. Please see dentons.com for legal notices. Thank you.